Welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Callender, and that's Callender with a K. And then an A-L-I-N-E-R. Okay. Um, so, uh, as you just heard on the newscast there, uh, the jury has returned its verdict in the trial of a Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer who uh, struck and killed a uh, uh, pedestrian. This was back in, what, 2017. Somebody be bouncing around here between a couple of different uh, stories. This is from Queen City News. Uh, the police officer is named Philip Barker, and uh, according to the prosecution, that showed video from his body cam five times to the jury. The uh, video was you know, uh, uh, taken while the uh, officer was in the car, while he was driving to the scene of a crash, and he was uh, allegedly driving more than 100 miles an hour. And this was on Moorhead Street in the area near Euclid Avenue, which is... Euclid Avenue. See, I was just about to say where I knew where that was. Where is that? That's over by the hospital, right? Euclid? Yeah. Moorhead, for folks who don't know, Moorhead Street uh, in Charlotte runs sort of right along the perimeter of the center city area. And um, it kind of goes, well, it goes underneath. We're right off of Moorhead, by the way. Like, if you go down to the Moorhead where it connects to Wilkinson Boulevard or Highway 74, which, you know, Highway 74 runs the entire east-west uh, route from the mountains to the coast. And uh, so it, it starts there, more it starts there, and then goes all the way through and it, uh, to sort of the, the Queens University area. And Euclid is more towards that area. And at some points, like it is in front of the uh, radio station here, it's just one lane in each direction. Um, and in some places, it goes to two lanes, and, uh, in fact, just right past uh, our station where you cross Freedom Drive, it turns into two lanes. But those lanes are very, very tight. And the road is very twisty. And then it goes into sort of this uh, old uh, old money Charlotte area and South, uh, you know, South Charlotte, uh, Queens College, now Queens University. That area has got a lot of old big mansions and stuff. Um, and it's uh, it was part of the... Uh, your Myers Park Avenue uh, or um, Avenue area, your Myers Park neighborhood that's over there, uh, one of the original planned communities where they got a lot of twisty, wide roads. And Moorhead does get a little bit wider over there, but it's still very twisty. And it's um, and at Euclid Avenue, I don't think it's actually particularly wide. So the the speeds that he's driving allegedly, and I mean, I think if they're showing a body cam video and you could see his speedometer. I think that's pretty clear. He's going over 100 miles an hour based on the video taken from the camera. Now, what the defense apparently was arguing was that, uh, well, we don't have the, quote, black box from the car. And and so we don't know how fast he actually was traveling. I I find that to be unpersuasive, right? When you show me video from the body cam from the cop and he's sitting in the driver's seat and you can see the speedometer – and it's over 100 miles an hour, I take that as as good evidence to me. Um, and so the question that the jury was confronted with 
they had to decide whether or not uh, he was guilty of one of two charges. Fe- there was one that was a felony that was involuntary manslaughter. That's what he was acquitted on, found not guilty for involuntary felony involuntary manslaughter. There's another charge that they did find him guilty on, um, death by vehicle. That is a Class A1 misdemeanor, according to WSOC TV, Class A1 misdemeanor. And uh, according to SOC TV, that carries a possible sentence of up to 150 days in jail. So five months. And he could also be fined. Now, the city of Charlotte has already paid out uh, about a million dollars to the victim's family, the pedestrian that was hit, uh, James Michael Short. James Michael Short was apparently, I guess, what, crossing the street. Um, He was drunk at the time, but reportedly in a crosswalk but still crossed in front of the police cruiser. But, you know, again, going 100 miles an hour and with James uh, Michael Short being drunk, if he looks down the road and he sees the lights coming and you start walking because it's a 35-mile-an-hour zone and it's not a wide road to cross. He, yes, was inebriated, but he starts walking across that crosswalk and you just don't, think that that car that you see way down in the distance is going to get to you that quickly because you don't expect that car to be going, the, the police cruiser in this case, you don't expect him to be going 100 miles an hour. I had a uh, my old college roommate, John, uh, down in Myrtle Beach, and I used to deliver pizzas down there. It's where he's from, and he used to uh, be a pizza delivery guy. And during the biker weekends and such, this would happen pretty regularly where you come out and he told me this story, like, you know, you come out and you're going to make a right turn onto one of the main roads. You look left and you see, you know, a a headlight way off in the distance. And then you, you know, turn right to make sure nobody's walking on a sidewalk crossing in front of you from your right to your left. And then as you start to proceed back uh, or you proceed onto the main road, all of a sudden that one headlight that looked half a mile away is now right on top of you because it's a motorcycle and it's screaming down the road and you, you, you just don't expect the vehicle to get there that quickly. And they have a lot of accidents like that. Um, so according to channel nine, uh, the police officer was found guilty of misdemeanor death by vehicle, not uh, guilty of felony involuntary manslaughter. Um, now the sentencing phase will begin. Uh, went to the jury yesterday um, and they did have a question. They asked for some clarification from the judge and apparently they got it. I think it had something to do with culpable negligence. What's the, what does that mean? What's the definition of that? And so um, the defense argued that the pedestrian, Mr. Short should not have been there because he was drunk. And this, this uh, argument comes up a lot, for example, in drunk driving cases. If you have, you know, somebody driving down the road and they get into an accident, but they're drunk. Well, the argument is they should not have been on the road because they were drunk. And so there, that has an impact in the, uh, you know, in a jury trial and in the charging and how you're charged. So that's how this uh, case has apparently resolved itself. We don't know what the sentence is going to be because that uh, phase has now just begun. 
Um, we'll give you more details, and obviously Mark Garrison in the news department will have updates as we uh, proceed through the afternoon. I think Brett Jensen, also from WBT News, was in the courtroom for the uh, for the trial and verdict, and so uh, he'll be filing reports as well. So we'll keep you posted. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Yes, thank you, Rodney. I appreciate it. I was not, I'm, I do not know every inch of Moorhead. I'm reading the tweets. Uh, uh, every inch of Moorhead uh, very well, even though I've drove it, you know, for basically every day for like a decade. But at the Euclid Avenue portion, that's near the YMCA, and Rodney says it's four lanes straight as an arrow. Okay, thank you. Um, Kevin says, Pete, as far as how fast that cop was going, the speedometer is certified in every pursuit vehicle. That's why if you blow by a cop, they can pull you over for speeding based on their speed. Indeed. Well, and that's one of the arguments in the trial uh, for this police officer who was just convicted on the lesser misdemeanor charge. Um, there are, the argument was that, uh, he had ignored all of his training, you know, and the other thing is he was speeding to, at such a high rate of speed to a car accident, which as far as I know was non-fatal, right? It was a, it was just a car crash. Do you need to be going a hundred miles an hour down Moorhead? I believe it was like the, well, I shouldn't say it because I don't know the time. I have not followed the details of this case. Um, do, do, do. See, I, okay, so I thought 3.30. So that's when the guy, the pedestrian who was struck and killed, he started drinking at 3.30 in the afternoon. See, it doesn't say when exactly the crash occurred, like what time of day. I, I assume it was at night, uh, but he apparently had been tossed out of a bar for inebriation, but then the defense pointed out, well, there's no, or the prosecution said there's no um, uh, toxicology report, I guess, submitted into evidence. So they didn't actually prove that he was intoxicated at the time. But then there was also uh, the argument that uh, the the pedestrian, Mr. Short, was um, that he was bipolar and that he had been either off his meds or something. And so, like, there were all these other issues at play. But at the end, the jury says, no, he's not guilty of involuntary manslaughter, but he is guilty of misdemeanor death by motor vehicle. The manslaughter charge would have been a felony, which would have been a much heavier uh, sentence. Um, and then, yes, we also got the uh, call that said, oh, he's, uh, that the, this is by the YMCA, not by the hospital, but look, as one who lived over like near there, it's like it's all near the hospital. <laughs> Everything over in that area is near the hospital. Um, but yes, it's not as, it's not as twisty turny as it gets to at uh, Queens and Queens and Providence and Providence intersection. And for folks who aren't in Charlotte, I'm not, it's just, I'm not making that up. That's the, that's the intersection. I don't know why Queens and Queens, Providence and Providence. I don't understand why they didn't just like extend the road. Instead, they just like made this road that like turned and then so the road turns and then you're okay. But Moorhead just like stops there and it turns into Providence or Queens, depending on which way you turn. (laughs) So, yeah. I heard a long time ago 
that, uh, well, first off, that, that whole area at that point by the university area, uh, all of that and like the Queens Road West area and Queens Road East and all of the, and if you want to know what this area looks like and you've never been to this area of Charlotte, go watch the movie Shallow Howl. No way, just hear me out. Really? All right. So, first off, my sister-in-law makes a brief appearance in one of the bar scenes. She walks past Shallow Howl, but, uh, or Jack Black, or, yeah, or what's his name? Jason Alexander was playing his best friend. But uh, not only that, there are a couple scenes, one in particular, where one of them is walking down the street, and it's this, you know, beautiful tree-lined street. It's got a big, fat grass median and uh, wide sidewalks, and they're walking down the street, and somebody pulls up, and they start talking. Like, that's the area of town where the where this neighborhood is. Not where the crash happened. The crash is farther up. It's basically near neighborhood Maybe that's where he was. Was he at the Dilworth Neighborhood Grill? Because that's right by the Y, too. Or is he at Moorhead Tavern? Because that's right by the Y as well. Because I used to work over there as well, and I always would take Moorhead. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so those, but yeah, but those two bars. And, that, like, right there at the Y, though, you're right over that bridge. That bridge is right there. I'm going to have to look at the Google map. Now it's just now it's just angering me. Um, <laughs> no, so the... The, that neighborhood, though, the, the Myers Park neighborhood was designed with all those curvy roads on purpose because they didn't want people going into the neighborhood. They wanted you to get lost so you would go around the neighborhood. That was by design by the architect. Olmstead, was that his name, I think? And uh, so they didn't want, yeah, and then the, the big fat grass medians, that used to be where all the trolleys were. But... Um, but then I think a car company came, bought them all up, and shut it down. Because can't have competition. Right. Anyway, um, let me shift gears here over into uh, this case. we got a couple of stories here regarding Mr. Meadows. And I always say it like that because that's what Mark Meadows told me. That's how John Boehner used to greet him in the hallways when they would walk past each other because they – they didn't really get along very well, John Boehner and Mark Meadows. You'll recall it was Meadows who led the uh, the insurgency, if you will, that that toppled uh, Boehner, right? Forced him out as Speaker of the House. So uh, they, they had a they had a pretty friction filled relationship. And and when he was congressman from Western North Carolina, I was working out there, and I would have him on the program, and he told me I asked him one time like. So what's that like when you uh, walk by Boehner? And uh, he kind of smiled a little bit. And he's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and he said, you know, he, he goes, Mr. Meadows. That's how he would always refer to him. And so that's what I do. Anyway, uh, so Mark Meadows in the news, two different stories, both of which for the wrong reasons. Uh, number one, the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation says that it is uh, now submitted to state prosecutors the findings. It's a kind of weirdly written AP story. I apologize. But uh, basically, it's referred to the, uh, they referred to the state prosecutors, uh, the findings of their, their probe into Meadows' voter fraud allegations. Because Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff to Donald Trump, was simultaneously registered to vote in North Carolina as well as two other states earlier this year. Now, part of the problem here, by the way, is like, and maybe, I have no idea. I have no idea 
what the the truth on this is. Uh, I, you know, Meadows hasn't commented on it, uh, and so I don't know what the explanation is. The story, as it was originally told, where he had that uh, that cabin up in the mountains in North Carolina, like then like the people who own the cabin say he doesn't own it, and like one time his wife and kids rented it a couple of years ago. But why would he be why would he be writing this address on this? vote registration, voter registration form. And so I don't know what the details about that are, but I do know that uh, we rely on the Postal Service and the Board of Elections to keep our voter rolls clean. And that's not a good process. It's just not a good. I've been railing against this for years. It's not a good process. They don't do list maintenance well enough. They don't get people who have passed away or moved. They don't get them off the rolls quickly enough. They rely on these bureaucratic mechanisms in order to ensure voter roll integrity. So I think there's part of that going on here. I don't know how much else, though, any nefarious uh, actions on the part of Meadows and his wife. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'll give you what the details are that I do know, at least from the AP report in a moment. So everybody who's been calling in and yelling at Bernie, I think it's actually only one person. Um, it's actually not near the YMCA. It's actually near uh, Charlotte Radiology Administrative Offices. So if you guys could be just a little bit more precise next time. Also, the person, I think it's the same guy that was screaming at you about that I said university area, and he thought I was talking about the university area up in North Mecklenburg. But no, I was talking about Queens University because that's a university area because it's the area around the university. So uh, what does Vince Coakley always say? Don't hear what I'm not saying. Right, there you go. So I was talking about Queens University and that university area, that area around Queens University, not, quote, the university area, which would be, yes, up in North Charlotte. But it's it's funny to me. Yeah, I'm trying to explain. See, Bernie, Bernie is new to the news talk world, and he's kind of confused as to why the discussion about where this accident precisely occurred and and how this is somehow because somebody was saying, oh, Pete doesn't know anything about Charlotte Rhodes, which is obviously true, you know, having lived here for like almost 30 years covering house fires and car crashes and that sort of thing, driving around before GPS. I know nothing of the roads <laughs> in Charlotte. <laughs> then, like the funny thing is, I know Charlotte Rhodes still. I know them better than I knew the roads up in Asheville because when I went to work in Asheville for eight years, I relied so heavily on the GPS. And there's and there is not a straight road in Asheville. Oh well, technically, Pete, there are straight roads in Asheville. Yes, that is true. Technically, there are, but there aren't a lot of them because there's a lot of mountains out there, and straight straight roads are a luxury. <laughs> they really are. Like, you could see the destination. Oh, I could see. I just got to go right over there. Yeah, but it's going to take you like 17 roads to get there, and you're going to have to kind of do switchbacks all the way um, to get there. So Euclid Avenue is where this happened, and this is actually, uh, it's right between, um, let's see here, for people who know the area, uh, the Joseph H. Downer Law uh, Office. If you want to get real precise, because I was, somebody said, oh, no, it's by the YMCA. It's actually, no, it's the YMCA is like two blocks away. It's that South Boulevard. I mean, if we're being precise about the exact location of the accident. 
And two blocks the other direction is McDowell Street, which I know a little about McDowell Street. Not only did I take it like three times a week for a decade to go to the government meetings, but I also lived off of McDowell Street. So like right on the other side of the 277, we were right there in that apartment building for about two years. So, No, I know the area. But as if that matters, just want to just want to point that out, <laughs> because apparently people are very, very upset with Bernie. They're yelling at poor Bernie. I mean, come on. I think you should reassess some of your decisions if you're yelling at poor Bernie. Like Bernie, Bernie didn't say that Euclid Avenue was near the Y or not near the Y or whatever. He didn't say that. I did. I said it because I don't know anything about Charlotte Rhodes, which, by the way, you know, a lot of the roads in Charlotte were developed because of animals, animal pets. Isn't that weird? It's wild. You got a lot of twisty roads and stuff because the way the animals would move around, you then had uh, the, you know, hunter-gatherers would obviously follow the animal herds and such and migratory patterns, and they would kind of wear that stuff down. And then the, the trade routes started along those same sort of paths, and then they just turned into roads. And the width of the roads are based on horses, but yeah, like that, because think about it, right? You got the carriage hooked up to the, hooked up to the horse and that's how you made and made ruts in the ground and that sort of thing. And um, anyway, so Mark Meadows registered to vote in uh, this, they call, I guess it was a trailer or uh, they, I don't know. It looks like a very meager domicile, shall we say, up in the mountains uh, in western North Carolina, a mobile home in Scaly Mountain, and he never owned that property. And the owner, when asked about it several uh, months back, uh, said that, no, he never lived here. His wife rented it out one time short term or something, but that was it. And they don't know why he would have declared that as his physical address weeks before casting an absentee by mail ballot in the state for the 2020 presidential election. And uh, the AP story makes all these references, you know, that uh, uh, Meadows was the um, uh, chief of staff to Donald Trump and, uh, you know, election deniers and saying there was lots of fraud and all of this, which I think like if if Meadows did actually commit vote fraud here, then I think that actually bolsters their case, does it not? Right? I mean, if they're saying, look, there's lots of voter fraud, it's so easy to commit voter fraud, and I know because I'm doing it, like, wouldn't that lend more support to their argument? It sounds like it would to me. Public records indicate that Meadows registered to vote in Alexandria, Virginia in 2021, a year after he registered in North Carolina, and just weeks before Virginia's pivotal gubernatorial election okay so what so he was registered to vote in north carolina he voted absentee by mail in 2020 then he moved to alexandria virginia in 2021 which would have been let me see do my math here yes after he's no longer employed by donald trump as chief of staff because trump is out no yeah so if he's moving to alexandria virginia doesn't it make sense that he would register to vote there? I don't understand why this is seen as a sign of vote fraud, though. Let me see. Maybe there's something else. Do, do, do an outspoken opponent and the baseless claims. Do, do, 
kicked in, election was stolen, blah, 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 blah. Now, Meadows also registered to vote in South Carolina in March of 2022 after he and his wife purchased a $1.6 million home on Lake Kiwi. So, okay, well, that would be March 2022. Okay, well, that, that doesn't overlap in Virginia either. Is there any indication that he that he has voted in in all three of these places or any combination of them at the same time during the same election? Because the, the article doesn't say that. And as far as I remember, there was never any indication that he had done that. This was just a matter of where is he registered to vote. And again, the Scaly Mountain thing out in Western North Carolina, where I don't know the details on that. I, I would very much like to find out why he would register to vote in a place that he hadn't purchased and the owners say he never lived in. So I'm curious to know that, but I don't know why these other, uh, why these other registrations matter if they're coming in successive years. Doesn't that just indicate like the normal course of events that you go through? Like these are the things that you register when you move to Virginia, you register when you move to South Carolina. And by the way, this is part of the problem with North Carolina's uh, domicile law, which is it's the place which you intend to return. And how do you measure that? How do you determine that? Well, we're not allowed to determine that. And if you don't believe me, just ask any Democrat during a debate about whether college kids get to vote where they go to college. Right? See, all of a sudden now I'm supposed to be upset that Mark Meadows is working up in D.C. or something but registered someplace else. And he's voting in that election. Well, why? Why? Think of him as a college student, right? Why should why should he be treated any differently? And by the way, there is a carve out for people who go and in North Carolina law. Like, there's a carve out. You can go to work in D.C. and you don't give up your voter registration here, even if you even if you basically live there all the time while you're working in Congress. So, I mean, this is part of the uh, the the flexibility, shall we say, of Voter registration laws. <laughs> this is part of the problem. But I'm glad, I am glad to welcome all of my newfound friends from the left to the election integrity bandwagon. Hop aboard. Lots of room. Speaking of continuing to run, run on down to the Light the Nights Festival. Charlotte Knights hosting an outdoor hockey rink, snow tubing hill. By the way, the hockey rink is also an ice skating rink. I'm not sure you're aware of that. You can do both on the same regulation size hockey rink in Uptown. They're going to do hockey lessons as well, which is basically soccer, but much more smaller and violent with weapons. But anyway, uh, you got the snow tubing hill. It's like 150 feet long. You got six lanes on it, and uh, they've got... uh, the Winter Wonderland, they got live entertainment, they've got holiday treats and such. You could do some Christmas shopping, they got Christmas trees, they got the massive light show. It's amazing. You gotta check it out. Light the Nights Festival. It's at Truist Field now through January 6th. Let me jump on over here and talk to Spencer regarding the Mark Meadows uh vote fraud uh allegations now being referred to uh the North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein's office. So I'm sure he's gonna get a fair shake out of that one. Hello, Spencer. Welcome. How you doing, Pete? Hey, I'm good. What's uh, up? Is there any chance that any of these 
registrations for uh, Meadows have been automatic. Like, you know, the voter ro- uh, motor voter registrations are automatic. Uh, in some of these places, maybe moving into an address would be an automatic registration. I don't know. I don't know what the Virginia and South Carolina laws are, but in North Carolina, I mean, you have the motor voter law. So this, I mean, specifically on that, I mean, yes, theoretically, it could have occurred if he got a driver's license in one of these other states or here in North Carolina. You change your address, you go to DMV, you can actually do it online, I believe, and you change your address. And so maybe something happened. He was going to move in there. I I don't know. Um, But either way, you are initiating a process to legally change your address, right? So that's still showing, I mean, he had to have taken some sort of active measures to do that. He or maybe somebody on his staff or maybe his wife. I I don't know. Um, And as far as Virginia and South Carolina, I don't know if there's some other way in to an automatic uh, voter uh, voter registration process besides the DMV. What about this cure I got? Uh, The cure for the whole situation is every 10 years when they run the census, Wipe out the registration and let everybody re-register. Oh, no, that won't happen. Wow. <laughs> it would solve the problem. Oh, uh, no, no, it would not. Um, because the, the, there's, a, there's a different problem with maintaining a list versus building a list. Because first off, you're going to have to you're going to have to overcome the arguments that you're disenfranchising people, which you would be. Because people who everybody. have... Right, you would, right but, but not everybody has the uh, has the ability to take time off of work, to pay the fees, to all of that stuff. Not to mention you overwhelm the DMV system or the, uh, the election system, I should say. You're going to overwhelm them every 10 years where they're going to have to basically swell the ranks of employees working for this state agency, right? You, and this would happen every 10 years. You'd have to hire all these new people to process all of these new voter registration forms, right? But you walk into the voting precinct and automatic registration. I mean, you know, they're they're trying to get that. Right. Well, that uh, yeah, same day registration. Vote. Right. Same day registration. The the issue, in my view, the issue is list maintenance. That's the issue, and and cross checking our lists with other states. That that well, if gets all of the states. If all of the states wiped out their voter registrations every ten years, you wouldn't have to do the cross reference. Sure, you would. No, you wouldn't, because every state would be wiped out. There would be no cross-reference to look at. Right, but then I could just register in multiple states. You have to have a cross-check. Yeah, you have. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a safeguard. That's why, like, I prefer to have a cross-check using people's names, driver's license number, and or last for their social right, and to be able to compare those across the the databases, a cross-check system. To me, it's a list maintenance issue. All right, I appreciate the call, Spencer. News is next.